Take your Bibles, take your Bibles and turn with me to Colossians chapter number one. Boy, isn't it good to be saved. I have had an awesome day today. I'm telling you, it has been a great day today. I've got outlines. I don't know, Brother Tony, you're getting them. Uh, I've I've got uh, not a lot of stuff, but it's stuff that will be easy. I want you to be able to take it home with you. Sometimes uh, we're good at taking notes, or sometimes we're not good at taking notes. This is a really, really, really important lesson today. Uh, in the in the breakout sessions, we learned today that that the 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 really the goal that we've been looking for out of this conference, what we've been trying to see out of this conference, is balance. I mean, that's the name of the conference. Uh, uh, if you were in there, if you wasn't in there today, I told them, I said, look, uh, Brother Tony asked me to speak on a subject that I am horrible at. I mean, I am I am the most least balanced person on the planet, I think. And I'm thinking, what in the world is he asking me to teach on this about? And and as I begin to look at it and study it and, and read it, there was so much I needed. So if you didn't get anything out of this, God let me study this for me to fix me and help me, if anybody. But the one thing I learned, that balance is really not the goal. That's what we want to experience. How many of y'all want more balance in your life? Now, how many of you know that once the balance is going to bring peace? So it's really peace we're looking for, right? It's really peace we want to experience. But going after balance is not the answer. Balance in peace is a byproduct. It's a byproduct. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Uh, if we, if we, most of us, this is how we try to gain balance in our life. This is how we try to uh, uh, accomplish balance in our life. We, we'll, we'll schedule stuff. How many of y'all, are, how many of y'all are, are planners? Raise your hand if you're planners. Raise your hand real high. You're a planner. How many of y'all are uh, fly by the seat of your britches type people like me? All right. Now, some of y'all are planning to fly by the seat of your britches. Amen. I just saw both. It's one. Now, now, how many of you like to write things down? You like to, my, my wife, I can get in my car tomorrow and drive to Canada. Don't have to check the oil, don't have to do nothing, just have enough money in my pocket to put enough gas in there, let's get there. Now, my wife can't do that. She's got to plan three months ahead of time, schedule everything, plan it out, because that's just the way she is. But that's not me. But a lot of people, they try to gain balance in their life by planning. Well, let's, let's, we're going to do this. We're going to schedule time for, we're going to schedule time for work, we're going to schedule time for family. Uh, we're going to schedule time for hobbies. We're going to schedule time for ministry. We're going to schedule time for God. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And usually what happens, usually what happens is, is God's usually the last one on the totem pole. And it not only happens in our scheduling, usually it happens in our giving too. It's just the way it is. It's just the way we're wired. If we have anything left over, we'll try to slide God in the deal. And even if we give God an equal amount of time, there's a problem with this thinking. There's a problem with this mentality. Because what happens is, is we put God on the same level as all this other stuff. And how many of y'all know this world's not too big? Enough? It's kind of like, you know, the, the, the old Westerns, this town's not big enough for both of us. Do you realize there can only be one number one priority in your life? Only one. Only one. And everything is secondary. Everything. Uh, He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. He said, no man can serve two masters. Nobody can. Nobody can. So we we talked about this morning how, how important it is to put God first in your life. If we will seek him, everything else will fall into place. So what 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 I read was this. The goal for a Christian, this is not in your notes, this is what we we did this morning, but I just want to use this as a springboard. 
The goal for a Christian isn't really balance. Balance implies that we examine all of the pieces of our lives, work, family, leisure, etc., and we allocate our resources of time and money for each one as they deserve. The problem with this approach is that God gets put in a mix as just one priority among the many. Now, at the very beginning, at the very beginning, this is what we've got to understand tonight, that the goal is not to organize our lives so as to achieve some abstract state of balance. The goal is to bring every area of life into harmony with God's will. With God's will. In other words, we, we gave some practical steps. We said in those steps, first, we have to, we have to uh, find our purpose. We have to find our purpose. Then we have to prioritize. We have to prioritize. Then we have to plan and put that plan into action. But the most important thing we can do is find God's will for our life. The most important thing. Let's read. Let me show you, and, and, and as we go through it, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 1. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by what? The by the will of God. And Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and to the Father uh, and, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. In other words, uh, we have been really fervently praying for you ever since we heard of your faith, ever since we heard that you got saved. We have been praying for you. Now, what have they been praying for? Look in verse number, uh, uh, look in verse number 9. Verse number 9, are you there? For this cause, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, since the day we heard that you accepted Christ, since the day we heard of your salvation, we do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, what does that tell us? Well, two things in that last verse. It tells us you can't please God outside of his will, and you can't be productive in your life outside of his will. So Paul, in, in, how many of y'all think Paul was pretty, pretty tight with the Lord? He's a good person to follow and listen to. He said the very first thing that we begin to pray for, for you in your life, after you are saved, we begin to pray sincerely that God would reveal that you would know the perfect will of God for your life. He said the most important thing you can do after you're saved is know God's will for your life. I cannot, I, 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 it, it blows my mind the amount of people who are, are, they spent 10 years seeking God's will for their life. That's, that's crazy. God is not the author of confusion. Amen? God is all about peace. We're making it too complicated. This is not that complicated. God is not up in heaven. Well, Lord, do you want me to do this? Nope. Guess again. Guess again. That's not how he operates. That's not how he operates. How many of y'all believe God's got a will for your life? How many of y'all believe that's the safest place, that's the happiest place, that's the most fulfilled place you'll ever be? Amen. Is in his will. Is in his will. Now watch, how do we find that? What, what does that look like? How can we know we're in God's will? 
There's three things I want to share with you today. It's real quick, and, and, and I'm telling you, it's really helped me in my life, and I believe it'll help you. You say, preacher, why do we need to know that? Here's a definition. Look in your notes right there. Peace. Now read it with me. Read it with me. Read this definition. Peace is the deliberate adjustment of my life to what? To the will of God. How many of you know you can be you can be rich, you can have everything this world has to offer, and be miserable outside the will of God? How many of you know you can be dead broke, sick and in pain, but have peace in the perfect will of God? Now, honestly, let's be honest. Why do we want balance? So we can have peace. Why do we, why do we balance the tires on our car? So we can have a peaceful ride. <laughs> Y'all with me? Why, why are we seeking balance? And God knows there's so many churches that are out of balance. There's so many ministries out of balance. There's so many marriages out of balance. There's so many relationships out of balance. Why, why should we desire balance? Peace. God is not the author of confusion, but he sure is all about peace. Where do we find that? In his will. In his will. What does his will look like? Number one. What is his will? It's very simple. Number one, we see it's a path to follow. There are people that's, that's, that's praying and hoping for lightning to fall out of the sky so they could know God's revealed will. It's not that complicated. God's will for your life, number one, is simply a path to follow. What does that mean? It means this. When Jesus, when Jesus was meeting with his disciples and, 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 and they watched Jesus and everything he did. I mean, in his ministry, in his teaching, in everything that he did, uh, they watched him and they saw how he operated. They saw how he worked and they came to him. And if there was one thing they wanted to know how to do better and they wanted him to teach them how to do, this is what they asked him to do. Teach us to pray. They didn't ask to teach to preach, didn't ask to teach to teach. They, didn't. they said, teach us to pray like you pray. And you remember what he did? He gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it, 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 some people think this is just like a, uh, a formula that you pray and, this, and, and you see it at ball games and kid, you know, before they start a game, our Father which art in heaven, hallelujah. You know, like it's this, that, that's not, it's an outline. It's an outline. This is a pattern that God gave us to pray. He says, I mean, if you want to pray and pray effectively, here's that. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In other words, you start your prayer with praise. Before you ask for anything, you do it with praise. You, you praise him and you adore him and you worship him. You start your prayer with praise. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then watch this. Thy kingdom come, thy, thy will be done. Watch now. Thy will be done on as it is, as it is in heaven. In other words, your path that you are supposed to follow is already written out in glory. Your plan, the things that God wants you to do tomorrow is already written in heaven today. And God says when you wake up in the morning, you ask God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to accomplish on earth? What you've already designed for me in heaven. What is this path? Hey, write this down. It's a path of divine order. It's a path of divine order. Psalms 37, 23. The steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. God has a plan. He has a plan. Now here's the cool part. Here's what makes it easy. 
Here's what makes it easy. How many of y'all want it easier on you? Say amen. I'm all about easy. I am all about the easiest route to go. I'm whatever, God, whatever is easiest. Listen, I, I, I was, I think, 20, 23 or 24 it was right after I came. It was right after I came to Temple. We were still in the little building, and and we had a missionary that came, uh, and they were missionaries to Nepal. Uh, uh, his daughter, his daughter, uh, and her husband had started an orphanage in Nepal, and and uh, uh, they they were killed in a plane crash, and and he went and his husband. I believe it's the Sellers. Do you remember them? Have, have you ever heard of the Sellers? Uh, well, anyway, uh, they, him and his wife went over and took over the ministry and, and there's a whole long story I don't have time for, but it was a really cool story how, how, and they continue and it even flourished and, and, and just exploded because of what went through and what happened in, in the plane crash. And they could not believe that, that her parents would come and love on these people because of losing it. It was incredible. But anyway, he's at the church and, and sharing the ministry and all of that. Well, the next day. That was on Sunday, uh, uh, and, and, and the next day he was there, and I was going to take them out to get something to eat, and I was trying to sound spiritual, you know. I mean, I, I, this, this is older missionary, and I'm dumb as a rock, and I, I'm, I mean, I'm trying not to look as dumb as I really was, and trying to put a good impression, you know, and, and, and so he's standing there, and I asked him, I said, what's your goals? And this is what he says. This is what he says. I don't have any. And I'm like, what? The, what? What? What do you mean you, have, you don't have goals? What's your problem? You know, you, you don't have goals? And you know what he said? I'll never forget it. He said, he said, my goal is to obey God today. When I wake up in the morning, I ask God, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to witness to today? Who do you want me to serve today? Now, he said, that doesn't mean we don't plan. That doesn't mean we don't do these things he says, but my goal is to be obedient to Jesus today. I may not be here tomorrow. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the path that God wants you to follow, it's not only a path of divine order. It's a path of daily obedience. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying we can make this easy. We can make this easy, this will of God thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. We can make it easy. We can get up every morning and say, okay, God, what's next? What's today? How many of y'all know that God wants you to live daily? Daily. Why do, why do you think he said, give us, give us this day our daily bread? Why? He may come tonight. He doesn't want you to worry about tomorrow. He doesn't want you to worry about next week. He could come tonight. He wants us to live every day of our life like he could come tonight. And God says, I got something for you to do today. Obey me today. Just take it one step at a time. How many, how many of y'all are like me that we want to we worry about three days worth of obedience? <laughs> or three weeks of obedience? Or three months? Or three, you know, what, what does God want me to do 10 years? No, no. You need to be worried about what God wants you to do today. It would make our lives so much simpler if we just worried about the task 10 minutes from now. It's daily obedience. The will of God is not complicated. It is a path to follow. It is a place of daily obedience. Today, I'm going to do what God says to do. Tomorrow, I'm going to get up again and say, God, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to witness to today? What do you want me to read today? What do you want me to sow today? What do you want me to reap today? Are you all with me? 
It's, it's, really, it's really not that complicated. And I, I'm telling you, I never, I never even thought of it that way because I'd never heard anything like that. And when he said that, and it really sunk into my head, I, well, that's, that, that, well, that's just too easy. Let's just worry about today, man. He said, I'm going to obey God today. And then, and then when God shows me and gives me direction, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to obey him every day of my life. It's a path to follow. Number two. Number two. God's will for your life. It is what we are seeking for. It's what we want to be right in the middle of. Uh, number two. It's not only a path to follow. It's a purpose to fulfill. It's a purpose to fulfill. I love talking about this kind of stuff. I don't know what it is about this, but I really, really enjoy this stuff because I think this is one of the, the one of the greatest things that we do at our church, uh, and, and, and we don't we don't do a whole lot of good thing or, or, or a whole lot of things great. We do some good things. I don't know. You know, what I'm saying is, people, we don't do a whole lot of things great, but this one I think we've got down pretty good. It's helping people find their purpose. Why are you here? Do you know they are selling books by the droves? Try, people trying to figure out why they're here on this planet. What, now, we ultimately know, ultimately, we are here to glorify God and bring God glory in everything we do. Say amen right there. Amen. That, is our, that is the ultimate purpose. That's the ultimate goal. But how are you to bring glory to God? According to John 15, it's by the fruit you bear. Amen? Uh, John 15, I'm the vine, you the branches. You abide in me and I abide in you shall bear much fruit. He said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. All right? We glorify God by the fruit that we bear. Now, how do we bear fruit? It's in the place God designed you to be. All right? Now, watch this. Look at it. Write this down. The purpose to fulfill. A, we are designed for a purpose. We are designed for it. What? The purpose God has for you. You are ultimately designed for it. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. In other words, God handmade you. He handmade you. He designed you in such a perfect way to, a, to accomplish a perfect purpose in his perfect will. God made you just like he made you. He gave you everything you have. He, he designed you just like an architect would to accomplish a certain purpose. He made some people very administrative. He made some people very energetic. He made some people, listen, that has the ability to... Have you ever been around them type people that, that, that you go to be an encouragement to, but before you leave, they always encourage the fire out of you? We have a lady in our church named Diane Harris. Diane Harris has had a rough, rough life. I mean, she lives in a very difficult situation. She, she lives in a very, just a, 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 a horrible uh, a place to live. I mean, honestly, I, I wish to God I could go buy her a brand new house and take her out of the, the, the difficulty that she is in. And I, I mean, you would think when you, when you see all of her life, all the pain she experiences, everything that she has going on in her life, uh, you, you would think she would go around moping and whining and, and have the, the biggest frown on her face. But every time you see her, she is glowing. Glowing like an angel. She has the gift of encouragement like you would not believe. And it doesn't matter where she is. It doesn't matter who she's with. She's going to encourage the fire out of somebody. You know why? God designed her that way. 
There are people that can work with children. There are people that have the patience of Job. There are people that has, I, 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 go, I go into the, uh, on Wednesday night, on Wednesday night, we have all of our kids' programs and stuff on Wednesday night. It's kind of like Sunday school on Wednesday, and, and all of the stuff we do with our kids, all the kids' classes, they'll be in that auditorium. And how many of y'all know kids are crazy? <laughs> I mean, they're so jacked up, and they're going wild, and they're singing the songs, and, and Brother Josh will say, hey, Brother Josh will say, come on up here and sing with me. I'm thinking, no, don't do that. Don't get that $5 million worth of equipment on that platform. And here comes all of these kids, and they're just, wide open and they're singing and they're saying I have to literally leave the sanctuary I can't even watch it I gotta go I mean it just tears my nerves all to pieces and Josh is right in the middle of all of them having the time of his life I said he's on drugs he's got to be there's something wrong with him and he's just having a big time I'll, ne- I'll never forget. I'll never, and I'm, I, I hate to admit this with y'all because I think some of y'all love me. But uh, uh, I remember the first time Brother Tony asked me to come and do the teen deal. I was, I was mortified. I'm, I'm telling you, you asked him because your mama was here. And, and she gave me, she gave me uh, uh, Maylocks. She gave me Pepto-Bismol. I was just tore out the frame. I can, I can get up in front of grown-ups. I mean thousands of grown-ups at the same time and have the time of my life and just get with y'all. You put me in front of three teenagers, it's over with. I mean, I'm just, oh, I don't know what it is. I just, I don't, I don't have, I'm not designed for that. I can't do that. You know why? God didn't design me for that. It's not the way God designed me. It's not that I hate teenagers. I don't like them a lot, but I, I don't, you know. No offense, Brother Joe. Amen. I just, that's not, that's not me. That's not me. But you know what? There's stuff I can do that other people can't. There's stuff I can do Josh sure can't. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, not, it's not God designed it that way. And here we have, here we have, we, we do something in our church. We, we, it's a, a gifts and passion survey. I kind of shared a little bit of this. I shared a little bit of this with the other session, but I got to say this again. I hope, I hate being repetitive, but this is really important. Uh, uh, there is a, a gift that you have and a passion that you have. And sometimes churches don't do both, and it, and it messes things up because, because they'll, they will just gift test you and then put you wherever they need your gift to operate. For instance, if you say you're an administrator, you're a good administrator. Uh, if you if you came from church like I did, you just put people where you needed them. I mean, in matter of fact, when you the smaller you are, the less is required out of you. You know what I'm saying? In order to serve, you got to be breathing. That's about all. Amen. We just need help. God help us. We just need help. So what we do? We take the first willing sucker. Amen. No, I'm kidding. The first willing volunteer. We take. And, and, and he, he's gifted for administration, and we have this children's program over here, and we desperately need an administrator, and so we'll put him there. But the only problem is, is he hates kids. <laughs> he's a good administrator, and he can do it, man. I mean, he has got it down, but he hates little rugrats, and he don't like them, and now he's over here. And because he's not where he's passionate about, uh, he is frustrated. And when you get frustrated, you get fatigued. And then when you get fatigued, everything fails. 
and we quit. And instead of coming to the preacher and saying, look, I just, I just, I just I can't do it. I don't like these kids putting me somewhere. No, we just leave church. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that. And that's not necessarily that person's fault. That's my fault for putting them where they're not passionate. But what if I find a place, say, what do you like? Man, I like missions. Oh, my goodness, over here in our missions and outreach program, we have a spot just for you. You say, preacher, what if we don't have a spot? We make one. <laughs> Y'all with me? And we put them where they are designed. Where they're designed. Because when you are, can y'all tell I dig what I do? Now think about this. What if everybody in your church was digging what they was doing? Can you imagine the joy, the excitement? Not only that, but the peace when they find my spot, when you find what it is, what it is that God made me for. I've got, y'all know this is no secret, I love coon dogs. Say amen right there. I love them. I mean, I've got them. I love them when they're puppies. I love them when they're old dogs. I just, I just like them. I mean, I'm, I like them. And I'll pull in the yard, especially when it gets about dark. During the day, they're kind of lazy. I mean, they'll lay around. Lay, but it goes to getting dark, and they hear my truck crank up. Son, they're going to raise cane. I mean, bark and bark. And they didn't want to. What they're saying is, Daddy, Daddy, it's time to go. It's dark. It's dark. You know why? That's what they were bred for. That's what they were designed for. They're not, they're not, they're not these old show dogs that walk around prissy and pretty and all of that. No, they're going to get in the mud and in the blood, in the creeks, in the rich. Say amen right there. I was in a competition hunt. I was in a competition hunt the other day and I'm standing there and got my dog out, you know, and he's kind of jacked up, you know, because I gave him Red Bull right before I left the house. Amen. I was ready. I'm kidding. I didn't do that. Environmentalists in here. I didn't do that. Amen. I, he's sitting there, and he's real. He's kind of hyper, you know. He's pulling on the chain, pulling on just, just, just wanting to go. And 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 one old person over there just didn't. He, he didn't have none of his stuff ready. Didn't have, you're supposed to get that done at the at the at the club, you know, before you leave. And 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 man, I was so aggravated because my dog was tearing out, ready to go. Because that's why he was born. That's why he was born. I see so many Christians frustrated. I see so many Christians bored. I see so many Christians have no joy in their life, no excitement in their life. And it's not because God's not good, and it's not because this, this is not an exciting thing. I, we, were sitting, we were sitting at the table today, and Miss Reba was sharing some of the ideas about the mission in the field. And we was talking about my daughter. My daughter just got back from the Dominican, and every time she would call me, man, she was so full. Daddy, we did this, and we did that, and man, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe what we're going to do tomorrow. She's just so jacked up and excited. Where is that in the church today? Where is that excitement? Where is that joy? Do y'all remember? Do y'all remember when Jesus sent the disciples off to minister two by two? Do you remember what happened when they came back? Man, you're not going to believe what happened. Let me tell you this. Let me tell. I mean, to the point that Jesus had to slow them down and kind of. Man, where's that in the church? Let me tell you where it's at. It's people sitting, not knowing, not finding, not seeking, not searching. Why am I here? Why am I here? Because if they ever find what they are designed for, not only what they're designed for, but B, what they're designated to, 
God made you and created you and made you just like you are with a sense of humor or not. <laughs> Y'all with me? Some people just don't. I mean, they try. Some people have certain aspects and certain giftings and all of that. But God gave you that. For what? Because he designated you to something. Look what it says in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, we just read that, in Christ Jesus we are created unto good works, which God hath before what? Ordained that we should walk in them. Look what it says in Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, that was his purpose, by what? The will of God. Now what's yours? What's God put in you? What's God designed you to be and God's designed you to do? Because I promise you this, it's not a job, it's an adventure. It's an adventure. You don't ever know what God's going to do next. Listen, find that. It's your purpose. You've, you've got something to fulfill. And let me say this. Let me say this. When it comes to your giftings, when it comes to your giftings, they have to be discovered. This is not in your notes, but it's coming to my head, so go ahead and write it down. Amen? And I'm not going to be long. We've got, we've got uh, uh, chicken wings right after this. Say Amen. Your giftings must be discovered. Must be discovered. You need to make an effort to discover them. However, whatever it takes. Listen, in, in, the, in the day that we live in, in the technology we live in, there's no excuse whatsoever. There was a day when stuff was hard to find that you had to, you know, you just had to know people or know things. But today you can Google anything. Are y'all with me? There's no excuse to be ignorant in the life we live in. Not with the information superhighway. Are y'all with me? Discover your gift. Take a gifts and passion survey. Find out something. Discover it. But here's the, here's the deal. This is what we kind of neglect sometimes. Your gift has to be discovered, but it has to be developed. You may have an awesome gift, but you hadn't used it, and you haven't exercised it, and you haven't practiced it. Are you all with me? You got to develop it. I, so I, I've, had, I've seen people that, that had certain giftings, that, and, I, and, and this is what I'm saying. Boy, in time. That dude right there, he's going to have it. But he's going to have to develop it. You have to exercise it. You have to use what God has given you. The more you use it, the more God will bless it, and the more and the better you'll be at it. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, <clears throat> the purpose to fulfill. God's got something for you to do. God's got, got something. Let me back up a minute. <clears throat> There's nothing more frustrating than trying to accomplish something that you're not gifted at. I've, 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 I've got, I've, I, I, I said it today in, in the early session that, that I've got a guy in our church, uh, Brother Dustin uh, Phillips. He is our administrator. And, and he looks the part. I mean, I'm just going to, whatever you think that would be, that's, that, am I right? Okay. Uh, I'll leave that right there. Amen. <laughs> just in case this is live stream. Amen. Uh, Great guy, but he is he has got the analytical mind, he's got the administrative mind, he always thinks in black and white. I mean it's 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 the rules, it's the forms, it's the regulations, it's the you know, and all that. Everything I hate. <laughs> Everything. Preacher, we got a form for that. You got I don't want I don't want no form. I just want to do something. You know, I just want, I don't need no form. When you, when you, you move from 35 people to, you know, 2,000, you better have a form. Amen. 
Because some, there's going to be chaos happening. I had to learn that the hard way. Anyway, I'll not tell you what, what ensued in that. But anyway, everything he does, I despise. And it, frust- it just frustrates me to no end to try to keep up with numbers and graphs and charts and, and all this stuff. But he's just wide open. Loves it. Eats it up. The more I put on him, the more he just... And I'm like, God, help this man. <laughs> he is sick. Say amen. amen. But I can say, Brother Dustin, I need you to step up on that platform and, and uh, I need you to, to teach some stuff. And it's like, you want me to what? <laughs> you know why? That's, that's just... And see, I, I need to let him do his thing and I do my thing. And when we're doing our thing, God's going to bless like crazy. Now, I want to ask you a question. What's your thing? Because, see, what happens is, is this. Let's just say, let's say all of y'all are, I don't know who's here and who's not here and who's members and not members and all that. But let's just say all of y'all are here. And, 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 and if you don't do your thing, guess who's got to compensate? Because your thing has got to get done. Because see, according to the Bible, according to the Bible, you're a part of the body of Christ. And Paul describes it this way, that we're all a different member of the same body. And how many of y'all know uh, even the small parts are important? If you don't believe so, walk through your, walk through your house in the middle of the night when you've got to go to the restroom and, 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 and hit your little pinky toe on the cabinet and see what happens. See if all the rest of the body don't come to its rescue. Say amen. (laughs) Am I telling the truth? Now watch this. Watch this. My dad, my dad had uh, uh, knee replacement. Knee replacement, sir. Matter of fact, he had both of these done, but but the the one he had done first and and, uh, and, and I'm I'm telling you, if, if somebody would have told me what they do when they do that. Before they did it, they would never do it. Are y'all with me? I mean, it's just... Well, anyway, he, uh, he gets this done, and, and he's, he, he's having really, really bad problems because of the pain in one knee. The pain in one knee was causing him to overcompensate with the other one, and it was causing the other one... Y'all with me? Yes. So what does that have to do with anything? Well... When you're not doing your thing, someone else is having to do their thing and your thing. And they're having to overcompensate to make up for the thing you're not doing. Right. And, and, and because you're not doing your thing, they're getting frustrated because they're doing their thing and your thing. Are y'all with me? Yeah. But what if we all decide, I'm going I'm to find out what God wants me to do. I mean, let me tell you something. You'll never, ever Ever be truly fulfilled in your life, truly happy, truly in balance till you're doing what God called you to do. Why do you think Paul said it this way? The first thing that I pray for you is that you be filled with the knowledge of his will so you can be well-pleasing and fruitful. You know what should be every, every goal of every person in this room? 
that we live a life pleasing to him? That when, when, when we close our eyes at the end of the day, God can say, that's what I'm talking about. And you know what he said? Unless we're in his will, we can't. We can't. Amen? Lastly, lastly, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. You'd think I'd own a pack of beagles, many rabbits we run, amen? <laughs> number three, number three. What was number one? What was number one? Finding his will. His will is simple. It's number one, it's a. Come on, everybody. Number one, the will of God is a. It's a path to follow. Number two, it's a. A purpose to fulfill. Number three, the, the will of God is a person. It's a person to favor. The word favor means to resemble, to be like or similar to. Preacher, who are we supposed to favor? Well, according to Romans, the Bible says God has predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his what? His son. Let me tell you what the will of God is for your life. It's, it's for you to look like Jesus. That's God's will for your life. It's God's will for you to think like Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, look, two things. Write these things down and we'll, we'll, we'll go. How do, how do we accomplish this? It's through A, it's through education. Look what he says. Look what he says. <clears throat> he says in verse 10, That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. It says in Ephesians 4.13, in the, same, <clears throat> in the same chapter where we talk about the different giftings, uh, Ephesians 4.11, you know, uh, we talk about, uh, it says that, that God has given us apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Uh, for what? For what? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Now here's the thing. When leadership perfects the saints... The word perfect there means maturing, developing. In other words, it is my responsibility as a leader of Temple Baptist Church to do everything I can to develop the disciples that God has put in Temple. It is my job to create a process to help them find the will of God for their life, to help them to not only discover God's will, but to develop God's will and to display God's will, give them an opportunity to serve in the area that they're gifted and passionate about. And when I do that, when I help perfect them, complete them, mature them, then they accomplish the work of the ministry. I am developing them. They are doing the work of the ministry. They are doing the administrating. They are doing the exhorting. They are doing the educating. They are doing all of these areas of gifting. And when that takes place, when I'm blessing them and developing them, they are accomplishing the work of the ministry. According to the Bible, the body of Christ is edified. It's built up. It's strengthened. It, let me tell you what it does. It will not add. It will multiply. It will explode when that takes place. Now, why... Why does this need to happen? Look what it says. Look what it says in Ephesians 4.13. We need to do this. We need to develop. We need to learn. We need to grow. We need to learn God's word. Till, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the, it's right there in your notes, and of the, the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of what? Christ. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, watch this, may grow up into him. You know what that means? 
the question, you know, when we were little kids, you remember, they'll all ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? And they say fireman, astronaut, policeman, whatever that might be. You know, as, as a baby Christian, you should ask every baby Christian, what do you want to be when you grow up? And according to that verse, it's Jesus. Grow up into him. It should be our sole desire. Why do you think God lets good things and bad things happen to you? Huh? Romans, we, we all like to quote, we all like to quote that, that, that God's going to make everything good. Y'all with me? Romans 8, 28, we love quoting that. For all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. We love that, but we've stopped there. We need to finish the verse. Amen. The very next verse, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Preacher, what does that mean? God will take the good stuff in your life. God will take the bad stuff in your life. God will take the happy stuff in your life and the sad stuff in your life, and he will mix it together and work it together. And when the, when the final product comes out, it will look like Jesus. That's why God does not always bail us out of stuff. Because we need to go through valleys. We need to go through difficulties. We need to go through trials. We need to go through these issues because it, it conforms us to the image of Jesus Christ. Listen. <clears throat> Education. The more we learn, the more we grow. We need to know the mind of Christ. How are we going to act like Christ if we don't learn how he acted? How are we going to think like Christ if we don't know how he thought? How are we going to treat each other how, how Jesus did unless we learn through education and knowing the word? You know, there's a verse in the Bible that teaches us the more we, we glance into this, the more we become like him. Are y'all with me? Now watch. How do we become more like Christ? We know, how many of y'all would agree, it's God's will for you to be like Jesus. Amen? All right, how do we do that? Through his word. Through his word, but watch this, this is the last thing. Not only through education, but through experience. Through experience. And 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 I, I just I just quoted Romans 8, 20, 29. <clears throat> how many of y'all how many of y'all know the story of Joseph? Amen. Story of Joseph. Uh Joseph, that's a cool, cool, cool story. Coat of many colors, you know. When I was growing up, you know what, Joe, we were, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the wrong time. Because when I grew up, we had flannel graph. Flannel graph, yeah, what is that? Mm -hmm. You know, in every crowd, y'all, in every crowd. That meant you had this piece of paper that looked like somebody, and they stick it to the board. Amen? Today, they have 3D. They have HD. Somebody say man. I mean, it's just cool. Well, anyway, I, I remember studying that in the Bible, in, in the coat of many colors, and all of this great stuff. And, and you know, you, if you really study Joseph's life, you'll learn a lot of stuff. I mean, if you really dig into it. Imagine this. Imagine this. Joseph is 17 years old. Joseph is 17 years old, and he's told he's going to rule. And not only is he going to rule, but he's going to rule over his mama and his daddy and all his brothers. Now, how many 17-year-olds you know can handle that? Now, now listen, now listen, let's don't, 
let's don't super spiritualize Joseph's character. He's a teenager. I don't know many 25-year-olds that can handle that. And the Bible says his brothers hated him. And everybody says, oh, they just were evil, wicked people, and, and, and Joseph was this darling person, and they hated his dream. They hate, read it, study it, read it exactly the way it said. They hated him for his dream and what he said. What do you think he said at 17-year-old to his brothers? Mm-hmm. I believe, anyway, I'll let you read into anything you want to. I mean, I'm just telling you, this is, use your, use your imagination with this. Y'all know what happens? They take him. They take him and they throw him in a pit, <clears throat> strip him of his coat of many colors. You know what that coat was? That coat was his symbol of significance. That coat said, I'm my father's favorite. That coat says, I'm the golden child. Listen, I, 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 I may be stretching this just a little bit. I don't believe I am, but I may be stretching this a little bit. But I believe he might have flown at that just a little bit. And here, I'm not only the golden child, I'm not only the favorite one, I got a dream that says I'm going to be the man. Is that right? Well, how about we just do something about that? Throw him in a pit. Throw him in a pit. There's no water in that pit. That pit was empty. Now think about this. Every other place, every other place in this story, that you find Joseph, it says, and God was with him. But it don't say that about the pit. Sometimes we have something that God's got prepared for us, but we're not ready for it. I, seen, I have seen kids whose parents have bought them vehicles way early. But they had to hold the keys because they wasn't quite ready for it. He was stripped of his significance. Do you remember, you remember when Moses, <clears throat> you read the story of Moses? And, and, and Moses was a statesman. Moses had the best education of all of Egypt. He had the best that Egypt could provide. Everything. He was a politician, a statesman, everything you want. He decided he was going to be what, what he was destined to be to begin him, but he did it on his own. He killed an Egyptian. He tried to do it with his own power and his own might. Y'all know what happened. He gets, he gets run out. Basically, what he's saying in the first sentence is, I can do this. I've got what's now. I can do this. I can. And guess what? He couldn't. He failed miserably in delivering his people. Runs out in the desert. Y'all know what happened. Spends, spends years and years in the desert as a hermit watching his father-in-law's sheep. And then God comes to him in the burning bush. Y'all remember? He's old, but, but, but and y'all remember the story? He said, he's like, I, I can't even talk. You know, I, I can't, I'm not clear of speech. And he said, well, that's because he had a stuttering problem. Well, doesn't the Bible say that he was a man mighty in word and deed? Doesn't the Bible say that? But what happened? He was a politician. He was mighty in word and deed. But he was arrogant. Yes, it was God's destiny for him to deliver the children of Israel, but he wasn't ready because he thought he could. But God took him to the backside of the desert 
And it is a known fact that you, if you spend extended periods of time away from human contact, you, you, you lose the ability to communicate. And so what happened? God stripped him of his significance. Just like he did Joseph. So that he could use him in a great way. Joseph goes from the pit where God stripped him. He goes to Potiphar's house. Y'all know what happened there? God stripped him. And God emptied him in the pit. He took him to Potiphar's house and educated him. He educated him. Listen, he, he, became, he became a manager. He became good at what he did. And, 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 and here's the thing. Here's the thing. In the whole deal, y'all know what happened? He got lied on, gets thrown in the prison. And by the way, just a thought. Can you imagine what she thought when he ascended to the throne? That's just I'm, I'm my mind going. He goes from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison. In the pit, God emptied him. In, the, in Potiphar's house, God educated him. And in and, 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 and the prison, God employed him. He used in the prison what he learned in Potiphar's house. And through the prison, then God elevated him. And exalted him and put him in the palace. And he said, why would you say all of that stuff? God moved him from the pit to the palace. And even though he didn't understand what was happening in the pit. Even though he didn't. Now watch this. I, I, I got to take this time for this. I can't not, not do this part. All right, here's the pit. <clears throat> here's the pit. Where, where was God destining him to be? Where was he going to rule and reign? And, and where? Where was the palace? Egypt. This is Egypt. This is Egypt. That was his destiny. That was God's purpose for his life. He gets the dream of being in the palace. And guess where the first place he ends up? The pit. Then... His brothers sell him, was going to kill him, but sell him to the, to the slave traders on their way to Egypt. And then they just happened to sell him to an officer of Pharaoh. Y'all getting this? Who, when he gets in trouble, ends up going not only to prison, but the king's prison. The prisoners that was the closest to the king. Are y'all not getting this? Preacher, what are you saying? What are you saying? I'm saying this. Everything, it seemed like it went bad to worse. I may not be in a pit, but now I'm a slave. Well, now I'm a slave. I'm a prisoner. But every step he took was closer to his destiny and purpose. I... Hello? How many of y'all believe the devil tried to... But every time the devil tried to get him, God moved him closer. Anyway. Y'all think I don't have a purpose. Why'd you say all that? Do you know that Joseph is the greatest type of Christ in the whole Bible.
If you look at Joseph's life, everything that happened in Joseph's life, all the typology in Joseph, he's the greatest type of Christ in the whole Bible. Do you know what God was doing with this whole thing that we just laid out here? God was drawing a picture of his son. He was hated by his brethren. He was sold for silver. Listen, he, 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 he was his father's favorite. He took a Gentile bride. Say amen. 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 He was, <laughs> Man, I want to preach so bad right here. I can't stand it. Say amen. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the good stuff in your life and the bad stuff in your life is experiences develop you more like Jesus. The things that make you cry, the things that break your heart, the things that you can't even believe that God would allow to happen in your life. In the pit, Joseph couldn't see it. In Potiphar's house, Joseph couldn't see it. In the prison, he sure couldn't see it because he begged them, tell them, please get me out of here. And God left him a little longer. But when you step back like we can, and you see the whole picture, You don't see the individual situations. You see Jesus. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. It's God's purpose for you to be conformed to the image of his son. And the things you're going through in life may be God just carving and adding and forming and molding so that when he puts you on display, you look like Jesus You talk like Jesus. You think like Jesus. You treat each other people like Jesus would. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. Are you in his will? You can be. You can be. You know what? It's as simple as I want to be. I I can tell you how. I can tell you why. I can give you steps. But there's one thing I can't do for you. I can't want it for you. I do counseling all the time. And I just had a couple in my office. And y'all pray for them. Y'all pray for that couple. God knows who they are. And and here we go. I I give them some stuff to do. And they come back. Didn't do it. I don't know about y'all. But that burns my high. (laughs) Amen. I don't charge for counseling, so do what I ask you to do. When you, you know, don't waste my time. But I told him, I said, guys, I can lay this out. I can tell you step one, step two, step three, step. I can do all this, but I, but I can't want it for you. You've got to want it. You've got to want it. Listen, I want, your, I want your lives to have peace. I want your lives to have balance. Say, preacher, I believe I'm in the will of God and I'm going through some crazy stuff. I I get that. Balance doesn't mean you're not going to go through a storm. But balance means you're going to have peace in the storm. Y'all with me?